there, Green Future Growers. Thanks for joining us today. If you're new to the show, I hope you'll subscribe on iTunes or your favorite Android app. And let's get growing. Welcome to the Organic Gardener podcast today. It is Friday, November 22nd, 2019. And I am super excited because I have a guest on the phone who's been on the show before and she's back. And last time she shared a ton of golden seeds with listeners. I know it's still a very downloaded episode, but she's kind of changed directions. And so here today, she's going to tell us about their amazing new business called the Coconut at Sea Soap Company. Um, and they're from from San Diego, but now they've been living in Montana for 22 years. And it's a family business. And most of all, what I love about it is they're dedicated to um, helping protect, save our planet. And they love the ocean. They love the mountains. And they've seen lots of... Um, you know, plastic clogging up the reefs and blowing across farms and fields in Montana and other places across our country. And so they've come up with a great solution for gardeners because we all know gardeners are always playing in the dirt and they're always getting dirty. And so this is a great way that you can um, get some natural products that are good for the planet. So welcome to back to the show, Sarah Har- Sarah McPherson? Sarah Harding. <laughs> McPherson's my maiden name, but... Gosh, no one's used that in a long time. So, hi, Jackie. <laughs> hi, sir. Well, that was the Skype thing. So I that's know. Where... That shows anyway. how much I use Skype. Huh? <laughs> anyway, it's uh. it's double. It's like triple exciting to me for three reasons. So, one, I'm teaching really close to you, just outside of Whitefish this year, which is like so awesome to have a job on the west side of the mountains. Not that I didn't totally love um, you know, being in the reservation and learning from the Blackfeet, like, I feel like I am successful today because of everything that they taught me. Um, cause they are just amazing teachers, but it's nice to go home to my husband every night. And then mm-hmm. this week, so I talk a lot as a teacher about wonders. I love the wonders, um, McGraw Hill reading program. This week we were talking about saving the animals and my school I'm at, I actually got to teach my kids how to do puppets and do a puppet show. And we did a puppet show called, um, the turtle's mishap, which is about this turtle that is stuck in an environmental plastic wrapper. And so this is just like, so like we just did it a week ago, Thursday. And then this week we're reading about kids to the rescue and saving turtles and whooping cranes and manatees. And just, this is so apropos. So, um, and you probably know some of my parents, um, but that's another topic. So anyway, (laughs) I'll be quiet and tell listeners, like tell listeners a little bit about yourself um, and I'll definitely put a link to our first episode in the show notes, but, um, and then just tell us about your journey and everything. Yeah, it's kind of a long story. So when I last talked to you, we were farming full time, growing microgreens and asparagus and cut flowers. Um, and that just got, it was just the word I, I think of most is relentless. And so, um, Elizabeth Gilbert, when she talks about jobs, she says that every job has um, a poop sandwich and you have to be willing to eat the poop sandwich that comes along with that job, right? Because nothing's perfect. So we just really like got tired of the poop sandwich that came along with farming. And that was, you know, the relentlessness of it and how, because we were growing microgreens year round, how we never got a break and we never got to spend really like large 
quality chunks of time with our kids. And that was not how we wanted to live our lives. So we sold our microgreens business and we leased the asparagus field out. And I still do cut flowers um, because they're just so beautiful. But um, and then I um, kind of, you know, flopped around for a few years. Um, and then we were um, on a family vacation this last winter um, with my husband and his two brothers and their families. I um, mean, we were in Indonesia and um, on a boat and we would pull up to this amazing island. This just, you know, dreamy white sand little spit in the middle of the Indian Ocean with coconut palms and, you know, just heaven. And we'd, you know, get off the boat and swim into shore and it would be covered in plastic, you know, plastic of everything you could imagine. And it was literally heartbreaking. It broke my heart. And so we got back on the boat and I was talking to my sister-in-law and she was like, well, what can we do? And I was like, well, we can do better. We can, we can use less plastic. I mean, it's probably not going to save Indonesia because we're not Indonesian, but we can do what we can do. So soap making was a skill that I already had. And so I said, I'll, okay, well, I'll make shampoo bars because um, for some reason, shampoo bottles were on the um, forefront of my mind. Maybe we had seen one on that beach or something, but, um, and so I did, I came home and um, John suggested that I make some soaps that visitors to Montana would like. So we came up with the black bar and the grizzly bar. Um, and then I started making the shampoo bar just for myself and maybe some of my crunchy friends. And I, and I kind of made it like almost as a joke, like I called it mother nature's shampoo bar because that's what my mom calls me sometimes is mother nature. <laughs> and, you know, I put some like little like <laughs> jokey things on the, on the label and people got excited about it. And so that's mostly what I sell now is uh, my shampoo bar. And I'm actually working on other scents and really trying to figure out how to make an all natural conditioner without using basically chemicals because the shampoo bar that we make is, um, you know, hundred all natural it's oils and essential oils and rosemary extract and then it's saponified into this beautiful lathery hard bar that lasts a long time but works really well. Um, so that's so where my, does the uh, coconut come in? Is it made with coconut butter or something, or like some kind of coconut product, or is it just because you your story was inspired by that island with the coconut palm trees? Yeah, it's it's kind of all three. It does have coconut oil in it. Um, it was, uh, you know, in a tropical place that I was inspired to start the company. Um, but then also many, many years ago when I was in my twenties, a friend told me that I was just like a coconut at sea, that I just kind of floated wherever the current took me and that I was, you know, I'm assuming it wasn't like completely a compliment that, you know, I was kind of like unrooted and ungrounded and, you know, just kind of like drifting. But um, since then I've taken it as a compliment because, you know, that's kind of what coconuts do. They get put out at sea, they float around, they land on an island, they sprout into a palm, they make more coconuts, more coconuts float out to sea, you know? So it's kind of like, I'm trying to 
reframe it into spreading the good. No, I am so fascinated by this because I am so (laughs) curious about the whole coconut like craze. Like so many people are so into coconut oil today. And like, I've kind of been like trying to find out, but I haven't really found a resource. Like what is that? Like, you know, we're here, we're in Montana. Coconuts don't grow in Montana. Like is the local payoff. But meanwhile, you know, what did I grow up on? Olive oil. Well, all of, you know, from Italy, I'm an Italian. Mm-hmm. So olives don't grow in Montana either. So it's like, and then what's the new one? My favorite is avocado oil. Like nothing that grows in Montana anyway. So, but I'm so curious, like, and coconuts, like they drop a coconut, it rolls out to sea and then, and then, and that's the seed, the coconut. Like this is all fascinating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, it sprouts. The coconut is the seed, and it's you know sprouts a coconut palm out of the base of that seed. There. Yeah. Awesome. And the other funny thing about all this is, so I just sent my friend Daisy has been selling soap up here in Eureka for years, and just um, you walk into her house, it smells so good. And I just asked her the other day, I'm like, do you make a shampoo? So I am super excited and I love your labels and just like the whole fair. And like, it's funny because I'm Mrs. Buyer, but I call my students the bears and we have like bear expectations. And like my mom just sent me a bear stone. And I love that your labels are like the, it's like a, a, the grizzly bar instead of the grizzly bear and the black bar instead of black bear. Like, uh, that's just yeah. perfect. Yeah, it's like the old Davy Crockett song that my dad used to sing me, you know, Davy Crockett killed him a bar when he was only three. Oh, no. So it's kind of like <laughs> a double, double meaning. Old timey way of saying bear, I guess. <laughs> oh, I never heard that. Uh, and I just love all like your whole journey and how you talk to listeners in the beginning, like about how you tried these different things and different businesses and, and, and that you're honest about the poop sandwich, because I think a lot of people make it sound very glorified to become a farmer and it's just going to be dreamy and you're going to be, you know, outside and all you're going to be doing is growing vegetables. And, and there is a lot to that, but like my listeners know, like I'm not the biggest fan of playing in the dirt. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and there aren't, oh, there's like tons of trade-offs. Um, and so, but, and then I, of course, love the part about, you said you're still doing the cut flowers because you just love the cut flowers. Cause that's, you know, that's like my thing. Like I love the cut flowers. And then, um, I also am like excited about like Patty Armbruster is just on a big, um, growing, uh, cover crop seeds and cover crops are like growing flowers. Like I think mm-hmm. that's what she's really been talking a lot about. That's the future that we need to see more cover crop farmers. And I could see myself, but I'm curious, what are the poop jobs with the cover crop farmer? I'll share. Like I was dreaming about selling bird seeds, sunflower seeds for bird seed, but I have a feeling like you have to have like huge acreage for that to become profitable. Yeah. Basically I wanted, um, to be able to enjoy farming and gardening again. So I just scaled it back to a level where I didn't feel so much pressure to make our living at it and that I could then have fun with it again. And it was just a hobby instead of being like our bread and butter, you know? And Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that a lot. Like that big magic book is a lot about don't expect your creativity to 
you know, support you. Like she even talks about even after she wrote E Pray Love, she still like wanted to, wasn't creature or maybe, I don't know, just like after she wrote her first published book, like she wanted to, um, she didn't want to put that pressure on her creativity. And so you kind of like got to go, like she says, like which poop jobs are you willing to do and which ones aren't you willing to do? I don't know. I've read big magic and it's like one of the few audio books that I own that I listen to over and over. Yeah. You're exactly her. right. Yeah, she does talk about that. And so another part of my journey is just accepting the way I am that, um, you know, farming was my dream for a pretty long time, you know, like 15 or 20 years. I was, you know, working toward farming or farming. Um, and so accepting that I am um, not the kind of person who picks one thing and sticks with it for their whole life and that that's okay, you know, because our society puts a lot of value on that, like dedication to one thing for their whole life. Um, and so, oh my really, gosh, you have no idea how I could totally relate to that. Yeah. My so cousin I really had, had a job like, for like 62 years or 60, finally retired after whatever, 40 years at 60 or whatever it is. And like, she just like would look at me cause I've, I'm on like job number 62. <laughs> anyway, I didn't mean to, to interrupt, but like, love it. Yeah. So it's okay that we're multi-passionate and that we have a lot of different interests and that n no one job can hold our attention for 62 years um, because we're bringing skills from other our past, other jobs and bringing them to our new jobs and maybe, you know, being innovative and creative in our new jobs. So that was a big um, piece of my own personal work was just accepting that it's okay that I've had, you know, 62 different jobs and that it doesn't mean that I'm like flaky or flighty or, um, you know, lost 100% because <laughs> I think it just adds to my skills like even like even though I've been a teacher for almost 20 years now I've been in so many different classrooms I know exactly like I'm finally like in the last between K through six like third grade is was the only grade I haven't really been in for a whole year and so I'm finally there this year but I feel like that I spent all those years in preschool all those years in kindergarten all those years of first grade second grade you know all the way up to fourth grade fifth grade sixth grade I know what the kids need and then mm -hmm. I had all those other experiences, like even just looking at, like I was working on my website and I'm like, man, if the kids could see me do this, they'd be like, wow. Cause they're so interested in, they're so funny. I brought in this typewriter, this old typewriter for one of my students and they want a typewriter so bad. They go, they're like, then we could create books and we could do all these cool things. And I'm looking around at the laptops in the corners and iPads in the other corners. And like, they're all, and they're like, if we could just only have an old typewriter, which are super expensive. <laughs> that is so awesome I love that that the technology is sitting right there but they're like look at what we could do with this yeah because they're struggling to like we it, but like sometimes we'll have like centers and I'll be like get into you know go to google docs log in and they spend so much time logging in then we're switching centers before they ever get to type more than like one word I mean they're third graders they're gonna learn it like I'm hoping by the end of the semester like it's finally starting to click in the you know they finally wrote some things like pages worth of documents this week, but we're 12 weeks into school, but they've been struggling really hard just to get logged in. Like it is not the Aww. easiest thing. And our iPads are so old. You can't go to Google drive. 
Like that's how old they are. Google Classroom, we can't access. They can access Google Docs. Oh. So anyway, but yeah, it was so cute that they were like, well, I brought that typewriter in. And they're all jealous because I only really was letting like one kid at a time do it. They're like, when do I get my turn? When do I get my turn? And all they want to do is push the keys because I there's no ribbon for it. <laughs> oh, right. But they oh just my love gosh. it. They're just like, they're just so into. It's so cute. So I, the ribbons I found you could buy from uh, Amazon for nine bucks. But like oh. any kind of like. There might be some used ones out there, but like a new just portable typewriter is like $175 was like the cheapest one I could find. I was like, holy cow. And they go up to like 2000 bucks. Wow. Crazy, that's, right? That's really, it seems backwards. <laughs> anyway, we're totally off topic here. So tell us more about um, whatever you want to talk about. Um, well, well, here's what's interesting about my new company is that I don't actually spend much of my time like selling soap which is really fun because I don't know that I would actually be that good at, you know, selling soap. But um, what I've been spending my time on is um, writing articles for Montana Woman magazine. Um, I just gave a talk at a plastic symposium, um, a presentation that um, on plastics and, you know, what we can do as consumers and, um, how the most important thing that we can be doing right now is talking about it and having these like really potentially uncomfortable conversations with our friends and family. Um, because, you know, there's this climate crisis happening and people aren't talking about it. And so we're all just in the keep calm and carry on phase of this emergency. <laughs> and we need to be like panicking a little bit more. I love all of this. And that's how we are talking right now because you shared your Montana woman magazine article. And I was like, Sarah, come on the show and tell everybody about this. Cause it's so important. Yeah. So the, that was the September article. Um, it's titled it's time to get uncomfortable. And then coming out very shortly will be, um, online will be, um, the one I wrote for November, which is about, you know, more like conscious consumption during the holidays and, um, and then the de for December, I wrote a really scary one um, about how to have a climate conversation. And that one was really, that tell one kicked my, that. Can you tell yeah, us about that? yeah, I can't. That kicked my butt is what I can tell you about that one. <laughs> so I how started. How did it kick your butt? Like doing the research or just like practicing conversations and seeing how they went? Or like, I'm so curious. I love that. Yeah. So I was researching, you know, like watching TED Talks and reading books. And I went to a workshop and, you know, I just was feeling really confident and really prepared. Like, oh, my gosh, I can write this article and it's going to be educational and inspiring and informative. And then I went to kind of like a family reunion slash 80th birthday party um, for my uncle. And my an, another family member totally cornered me and confronted me and was using all of these um, anti-climate talking points. And I did not use any of the things that I had learned. And I just like literally froze and turned red and like couldn't get any words out of my mouth and was like stammering, like trying to clear up the 
eight year. No, the world's not going to end in eight years. That's what, you know, the deadline that the IPCC, you know, so I was very, very ineffective in having my climate conversation, but it taught me like, okay, this is not as easy as you were about to make it sound in this article. This is actually a really difficult thing that you're asking people to do. Um, and so then of course I went back and I did more research on, um, listening and empathy and how to have a discussion and, you know, watch TED Talks on debates and, you know, the differences between um, liberal views and conservative views and our values. And I really just dug a lot deeper. And um, so then my article really pivoted and it became much more about listening and feeling empathy and connecting on a personal level with that person rather than just talking to them as if I was talking in a mirror to somebody who already believed exactly like I do. Um, and so I think it turned out a lot better because I got my butt kicked. <laughs> yeah. It's, I can totally, I'm so glad we're doing this. I hope I can get it out because with Thanksgiving coming up next weekend, like I think this is so important because we're all super passionate about it. And that's what I love about my audience and I love about my podcast, but yeah, you get out in the world, especially where I live. Like, and that's what I'm, I wasn't sure about the school that I went to because, you know, we're in a very diverse community where like a lot of my kids' parents um, work in the oil rigs. I have at least two families whose, you know, dads are gone, you know, a month at a time or a few weeks at a time over in North Dakota working on the oil fields. And this week we're talking about, I'm like, well, you know, the article was all about the, um, a big oil spill. And I'm like, and besides that, you guys realize every time you pick up a plastic fork or a plastic spoon, that's made out of, you know, that's an oil product. And they were like, it is. I'm like, yeah, every, and so now they're constantly like, this is plastic, this is plastic. And, you know, like I said, we did the little play about the turtle stuck in the six pack holder. I was saying, you know, I always cut my six pack holders up but I was like, I hardly ever buy six pack holders, but yeah, you know, but I was glad to hear kids who said, Oh, my mom does that too. And just, you know, whitefish is a very, um, I think forward thinking, progressive hippie, um, you know, environmentalist type of community. But I know also like Ryan Zinke came from there and he like practically destroyed our EPA when he was our congressman right you know so there's right. it's like we're i always feel like i'm in a room that's 50 percent hardcore you know republican and 50 percent democrat pretty much most places i am in montana that's how yeah, I, I think feel. you're exactly right on that you just you you cannot make any assumptions on where people are coming from and the fact that climate change has become a partisan issue just really makes me feel kind of sick because it's like um the oil companies got a hold of it and started an anti-climate uh, campaign to say, to make more money. Um, and so that is really a big life question that all of us face. I'm changing the subject, by the way, <laughs> to like um, our, how we make our living, you know, like is how we make our living um, going to help the earth or hurt the earth? And for me, there's no question. That's that's why I'm, you know, um, not rich is because um, most of the professions that make a lot of money, unfortunately, are like doing a lot of damage to our planet. And and ethically, I could just there's no question that I could never 
um, my husband talks about that a lot. He's always like all the jobs I had that brought in a ton of money, like as a logger, as he used to work on the oil rigs in Colorado back when he was like a pup and just, um, he's like, those always made great money, but you know, planting trees or growing my garden, you know, and, and trying to like, you know, make a living sustainably has always been, um, you know, paid a lot less and just yeah. was less profitable. And so that's part of why he has the dream of, you know, just being sustainable and us eventually going solar and building a shop yeah. house or maybe a hemp concrete house, hemp treat or whatever it is. But anyway, yeah. that's so awesome. And I just, I absolutely love that you're talking to your kids in your classes about plastics and about, you know, just even the fact that they didn't know that plastic was made from petroleum is just, you know, and that opens their eyes. And now they're seeing what everything that's made of plastic and maybe hoping, hope, I'm hoping that they'll see that they have a choice to use less plastic, you know? That Well, I'm glad we're in a building that recycles and um, they bring me like the cook brings me the compost and like, it's very conscious. You see a lot of kids like that. They'll bring in like snack and grocery sacks. So, you know, their parents are using them and just, uh, and I also think like there's huge, like, you know, this is what I love about podcasting. And I know there's so much about Mark Zuckerberg, but I love about Facebook is like connecting with Robin Kelson and, um, you know, Laura Behenna and, and other people on the flathead. Like, I wish I could go to those climate smart meetings. Like, I just feel like there's, there's more conversation going on there than most places in the country. And I'm glad to see that these solutions are coming up. Yeah. Robin Kelson is my hero. She is so amazing. She, um, just has been so supportive of me and my business and she's just doing so much good work. I just, yeah. Uh, admire her. Well, Sarah, tell us, tell listeners where they can get your soap. Like they can order it online, right? They don't have to get it at a store. Yeah. I, well, I, I built a website. I learned how to build the website. Okay. Wait a minute. Um, I got to go back. Sorry. You were going to tell us like some tips for like how we can have those conversations. We can't forget that part. Sorry. I totally interrupted you before we get to where, they get your soap. Tell it like, right. Yeah. I mean, I know you said some things about empathy and listening, but like, do you have any like specific steps on what to do when somebody starts spouting like false facts? (laughs) Wasn't it fake news? Um, Yeah. Accusing you of spouting fake news. Like, yeah, I, these conversations can be big at my house too. I know. So, yeah. So the number one thing that I'd wish I'd done was breathe. Like, I'm pretty sure I didn't breathe for like 15 minutes there. Um, So literally just focusing on my breath just for a couple like deep, calming breaths to let my brain know that I'm not in fight or flight, that this is not actually um, physically dangerous to me and that I can calm down and then my higher motor functions hopefully (laughs) will start working again and I'll be able to find words. and then um, listen, like really listen and try to get curious about um, like, not in like a snarky way, like, where'd you hear that? But kind of like really honestly, like, so where, where did you, where did you learn that? Where, you know, how can I find out more? Like, tell me more about what this is that you believe. And um, by connecting with them and really listening, 
I mean, the goal would be that then they will, and showing respect for them and their viewpoint, the goal would be that then, you know, maybe at some point you would get a chance to be able to tell your climate story. And um, that brings me to the other point of you need to be able to know your climate story. So you, um, in the article, I go over some kind of like writing prompts that you can use to uncover your climate story, like how climate change has affected you and your family, what you're feeling about it, you know, your vision for the future, like all of these things that then you can like share from the heart from this person instead of like, you know, spouting facts and figures and engaging in like a horns locked kind of debate. You're saying, well, here was my experience and it broke my heart to see these beaches covered in plastic and the coral reefs dying and, you know, et cetera. Um, and then, you know, just leave them with love. Like Pema Chodron is um, a Buddhist nun. I'm sure uh, your listeners are probably familiar with her, but um, I love, I'm oh, okay. I'm sorry how you spell your name. Oh boy, you're in for a treat. So her first name is Pema, P-E-M-A. And her second name is Chodron, C-H-O-D-R-O-N. And she is a Buddhist nun. And she's written um, quite a few books that are just, she just has this like knack for explaining the human experience um, in just this beautiful, heart melting, um, but really real way. Um, And so she has this kind of like mantra that, is helpful to me when I'm watching people and, or talking to someone and starting to maybe feel a little bit judgy. Um, I can say just like me. So just like me, this person wants to be loved. Just like me, this person is feeling afraid or just like me, this person loves their children. Just like me, this person wants to belong, you know? And so then it really like is able, you're able to connect with that person on a, a, really human level instead of getting lost in the, you know, the politics or the, you know, the catchphrases of, of climate change. You're really connecting with like the core of who we are as humans. I think listeners are going to love this, especially like listeners who go to the farmer's market and are market farmers and maybe have some customers come up or like, I'm just picturing like customers coming up and they have a friend with them who's like, you know, being like, why are you buying that? Why are you paying? Oh, this is all just like, you know, and just, I'm sure those conversations happen. I'm sure I've been places where those conversations happen and just, um, this is great for giving people talking points and ways to breathe. One of my students once gave me a breathe sticker. I put on my guitar. She's like, breathe, Mrs. Byer, breathe. Um, so anyway, but uh, yeah, these are great things. And how lucky for you that you get to, you finally found like a way to share your passions and connect and, and do these things by writing and speaking. And, and it is so true that, that it's all got to start with conversations and people talking and remembering how to be respectful um, listeners. Yeah. And finding common ground, you know, so that whatever the common ground is and um, starting from there. I always say I'm everybody's favorite Democrat (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) because I live in a very Republican world sometimes. (laughs) 
when I'm at work, we'll get in these huge discussions and I'm like, ah, but you know, I'm your favorite Democrat. Just admit it. And they're like glaring at me like, what? What kind of blasphemy are you speaking in our logging town? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And at this point, everything I'm doing is um, volunteer, you know, like I'm just trying to. Luckily, I'm in a, you know, John supports us with the composting toilet business, but um, I'm able to just spend a lot of time. Wait, trying what? To the composting out. toilet business? What's that? <laughs> yeah. So um, my husband works right across the street from our house um, and they build and install composting toilets. And so it's um, advanced composting systems and they manufacture the Phoenix composting toilet. And so if your listeners, if y'all have used national and state parks, you've probably used one of the Phoenix um, composting toilets. I mean, they are um, at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. John just got back from Havasupai. They're in Missouri and Ohio and Oregon and even, you know, uh, at the top of Mauna Kea and, you know, Volcanoes National Park. And, you know, they're kind of just um, a really great uh, solution for national parks who have humans, a lot of humans visiting. And so then they have human waste to deal with, but they can't put in a septic system. So it's a comp, it's a large like commercial composting toilet that actually works. They don't have to, um, what the Havasupai, um, reservation was doing before they started installing the composting toilets was they were helicoptering porta potties in and out of the bottom of the Canyon. Which sounds like a nightmare to me. Oh, totally. <laughs> and I'm a huge one for using um, bathrooms like that. Like, I'm always finding myself in those kind of places. <laughs> I have a lot yeah. of chicks who pee in the woods. I mean. <laughs> yeah, well, I spend a lot of time outdoors and in public bathrooms. Sometimes I think that I miss my calling. I should have been like a women's bathroom designer because sometimes <laughs> they drive me crazy. But in Montana, we have some of the nicest, like, and they're usually well stocked with toilet paper and just, um, they're clean. And I got to say about the state, we're really lucky that way. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Despite our millions of visitors that we're doing a good job keeping them up. Well, awesome. And I think it's great that you're talking about ways that listeners can learn to build an audience and, and get their word out there and help, you know, save our planet. Yeah. I mean, it really takes quite a bit of bravery to be able to um, have the conversations and also just to like, you know, every time I send in a new article, I have that moment of like, oh my gosh, what am I doing? <laughs> Because there's the fear there of like the pushback, you know, and, and every time I get, I press send, I'm like, what, what pushback am I going to get from this? So, um, and then, you know, what just you're getting involved. Get, Sarah, is awesome people like me <laughs> saying, Sarah, or not to toot my own horn, but I'll toot the Organic Garter podcast horn any day because it has amazing guests like you out there sharing your journeys and your struggles and your challenges and the great things. And we're connecting because I saw your article 
and said, hey, you got to share this with my audience because I know they're going to love it. So tell people, where do they get a soap bar or you're working on a shampoo bar where they probably sign up to get an email when the shampoo bar is ready. Well, actually the shampoo bars are for sale. Yep. Oh, those they are. are. Yeah. Those are done. It's the conditioner bars that oh, the are conditioner bars. the right, headache. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Um, so yeah, I have soaps and shampoo bars for sale on the website and it's coconut at sea.com. Um, and I'm working on, um, you know, more bulk buying kind of options so that you could buy, um, you could only have one shipment, you know, instead of buying one bar at a time just to save resources. Oh yeah. I'm sure that's a great idea. Yeah. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And my next, um, my next batch will definitely have package free options, you know, just bare naked bars and, no no box no label no nothing just just the soap so that you don't have to waste any trees or resources or plastic and these would make great stocking stuffers and great gifts and probably like if people want you can ship them directly to people oh yeah definitely because that's a great holiday um and they look just that like the labels are cute but if you get them without the labels whatever you can like send them email and say, this is what the label looks like yeah for the super crunchy people yeah <laughs> awesome all right tell us where we get them again wait we said coconutetsy.com that's uh, right yep and then do you probably have like a facebook page or an instagram or anything i do i'm I'm not that good at all that, but, um, I do have a Facebook page and I am on Instagram, um, infrequently. Um, and that's one of my, one of my goals, um, is to start getting better at, you know, making posts and, you know, even starting to put stuff on Pinterest because, um, I think that would be a, a good fit. I do too. And Pinterest is just growing. I even heard somebody the other day say that Pinterest is a bigger, is one of the biggest search engines. And I was like, well, I think YouTube's ahead of Pinterest, but I think they're, they're coming up close behind. And then the other thing I am just going to quickly mention, as I constantly get emails from this woman, Angie Gensler, who I don't know. I, I don't know. She's like, Make sure you have my affiliates cooked up. I don't have my affiliates hooked up, but let me tell you, if you want a great deal on social media calendar, it was worth every penny I paid for it, even though I haven't used it yet. Like she, like she has a calendar. Plus she even has like photos that you can like edit for every day of the year. And it's like, I think the calendar is like 25 bucks and the whole package with the photos is like 30 bucks. You can like, you open up in Google docs and you just like click on text and you just type your text over if you don't want her text, but like, you know, Monday she'll be like share an expert tip and like Tuesday share a quote. And then Wednesday promote a project prop promote a product. And then Thursday, you're the expert. And then Sunday, like she tells you for every day of the year and she's got all the holidays plugged in and it's so worth it. And like, um, you might be interested in that or listeners might be interested in that. And I do not have my affiliate link hooked up. So just go to Angie Gensler. Uh, I think it's G, but yeah, we all struggle with that social media piece, but if I just no, open Jackie. up my email, it's right there. Cause she sends me an email, like at least every day. A M G I E G E N S L E R. And her social media calendar is worth every penny. Jackie, you got to get your affiliate link hooked up because we all want to buy through you so that we can support you. 
thing. Right? So yeah, I just don't know. I, yeah, I know. I am so not, like, <laughs> I barely can put my episode out a, a week. But what was I going to say? But do you think, I mean, I don't know how many of my listeners are interested in that kind of thing. I think that sounds super helpful. I and I definitely, um, you know, I that would make it so much more doable because that's what happens. You know, you get the blank screen syndrome. You sit down and you're staring at a blank screen and, and you absolutely you can have no creativity 30 days left. at a time. And you can look because it's always like, oh, yeah, today's like St. Patrick's Day. I should have had a something. Whereas like if you have your calendar and like I printed out, you know, the calendars for the whole year, the PDFs for January so you can look ahead and then I know one of these days I'm going to like get it into place. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's an awesome thing. But anyway, not to plug Angie, we want to plug um the Coconut Etsy soap company that's helping <laughs> us get clean and not throw plastic out on our planet, which is just you know, I just feel like I see more and more like the other day I saw the picture with the turtle and the like 45 pieces of plastic that they pulled out of its poor little belly. Yeah. Well, yeah. And soap is such an easy nudge, you know, it's like, Mm -hmm. Oh, instead of buying soap wrapped in plastic, I'll buy soap, you know, either a bear bar or naked or wrapped in recyclable paper. You know, there's all these like really easy plastic nudges that we can do. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of people already do the water bottle and the coffee cup and, you know, a lot of them, but there's, there's others too. And and if we're just always on the lookout for ways that we can um, use less plastic, I think if millions of us started doing that, it would really make a difference. It would add up. Absolutely. It will. All right, Sarah. Well, I'm going to let you go and thank you so much for sharing with us today and inspiring everybody and everything that you do and your sweet family. And, um, we'll hopefully see you in person. I will at least one of these soon days and and take care. Probably a few seeds, right? Which is going to be just around the corner, but are you going to be there? I'm sorry. Where? At free the seeds in Kalispell. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, free the seeds. Yes, definitely. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. And, and thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. Yeah. Giving us your time. Get your copy of the Organic Oasis guidebook available today from Amazon for just $26.95. And it's got 12 lessons designed to help you create your own Organic Oasis Um, It starts with healthy soil. It talks about building an earth-friendly landscape. It helps you understand the difference between annuals and perennials and how to bring in beneficial insects. It talks about fruit trees and just um, all the lessons that I've learned on my podcast mixed with what Mike and I have done here. Okay, what Mike has done here at Mike's Green Garden and just um, I hope that it will help you on your garden journey Uh, to create, like I said, your own organic oasis um, where you can have healthy food and enjoy, um, you know, a very special place. And most of all, it's good for Mother Earth. Hey, everyone. Happy 2019. Uh, Hope you're having an awesome fall. And just want to tell you, we are going to be offering a great prime discount on the Organic Oasis Guidebook. It's going to be on sale for $22.95. And if you just want a blank journal, you can get one of those on sale. And the Data Keeper will be on sale 
Um, so on Prime Day, if you want to get something to help you have your best garden year ever, check out the Organic Oasis Guidebook and let's get growing together. Do you know someone who would benefit from the Organic Gardener podcast? If you like what you hear, we'd love it if you'd share the Organic Gardener podcast with a friend. Thanks again for listening and remember, grow local.